This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey everybody, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please shoot me any email questions you have for the next Ask Lane show. And also sign up for a free call to ask me any questions you guys got. I'm still trying to get to know what your guys' issues are out there. And if you haven't done so, please go to simplepassivecashflow.com. So people have said that the site looks like Flubber blew up and died. So I'm changing that. <laughs> and uh, I've got the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. Make sure you guys sign up. Got to answer some questions. So I know what you guys are looking for. So if you're looking for private money lending deals, I don't send you turnkey rentals and vice versa. I'm trying to minimize the amount of emails. And if you guys want to get signed up for some newsletters, whenever I send out a new podcast or I write a random post on some of my real estate investing adventures, uh, make sure you guys go to the website and get signed up to two separate lists. So today I have Amy Kershik here. She's from Realty Shares out of San Francisco. She has an MBA from the University of Michigan's Stephen Ross School. And she has a background in private banking, private investing, and investor relations. How's it going, Amy? It's going well. Thanks for having me today. I thought we'd bring you on to talk about Realty Shares, which is, for me, it seems like it came out a few years ago with the Jobs Act. But why don't you take us back to where it all began? Absolutely. So you have it just right. Realty Shares was born from the Jobs Act in 2012, where our founder, Nav, was an attorney and a real and was working in real estate and saw an opportunity to break open how real estate was traditionally transacted. So in April of 2013, he founded Realty Shares with the with the idea that opening up real estate investing to the masses and so giving people the opportunity to invest like they never had before. Over the last several years, we've been building out our marketplace. So now we have investors, we give investors the opportunity to invest in debt and equity in residential and commercial and give them opportunities all over the country where they may have been limited in the past. All right. And for those of you who don't know what debt and equity deals are, I've got a few podcasts ago where I discussed that. These are the deals. These are what people call the country club deals that you had to know the guy to know the guy uh, five, 10 years ago to get into the deals. These are what I call direct investing. So when we go over like how, how does somebody get involved? Um, you know, you just go to the website. Is that as simple as that? Yeah. So you called it exactly right. Country club deals. I, I like, I have heard that often before. So yeah, an investor and, and you need to be an accredited investor to work with realty shares. So you would sign up for the platform and then you would complete a really simple profile about what your investment objectives are, help us to understand you a bit more in your needs. And then we have a catalog of investments that are open for fractional shares of real estate opportunities. So just like you talked about debt and equity, and uh, you would see that variety on the platform. If you find something that meets your investment objectives, you can invest directly right from the catalog page, right from our platform. So what are the typical IRRs for some of these? I'm assuming a lot of them are development deals or are they um, some cash flow? Like I specialize in classy multifamily where it's five-year hold, little longer hold time than a lot of development deals. But yeah, what, what, what are uh, some of the projects on there? 
Yes. So it, the IRR is going to vary with the type of product that we have. So I'll start with what you were just talking about. So we offer something very similar, class B multifamily, mostly value add opportunities. And they have a three to five year hold. Typically the ranges for those IRRs will be somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 to 20, I'd say is typical depending on where they're located, how much work needs to be done, purchase price, et cetera. We also offer preferred equity, which is a blended equity debt-like offering where it's in the preferred position to equity, but offers a monthly coupon and uh, potentially an accrued payment as well. The average IRR for those offerings are typically between 10 and 14. And then finally, we offer debt where you're going to have a first lien position or a second lien position on uh, the property and those range somewhere from seven to 12, I'd say most often. Yeah. So it's a good option out there. I mean, if you're like, I always say, like you have your three big resources are time, money, and knowledge. If you were to blow up knowledge, I'd say your network is probably in that knowledge category. And just some people just aren't connected and are, don't build relationships very well with people. And for those of you out there, Realty shares is probably a good option for you. I mean, let's just take the private money lending deals. I mean, I can probably find 12%, 13, 14% in first lien, but I have to, I'm required to talk to all these people and spend all my time doing it where you can just go on a website and maybe you won't get as, as good, but pretty dang good for not leaving your house and not having to put on real pants. (laughs) That's a really good characteristic, I'd say. I never thought of it that way, but certainly so. Maybe flip it from the other side. So if you're the the house flipper or the syndicator, putting your deal up on the website, what does Realty Shares take? What does Realty Shares like, you know, cut of the pie? Realty Shares charges an origination fee to the borrower or sponsor that depends on a variety of factors, including the size of the deal. And then alternatively, from an investor perspective, we charge a 1% asset management fee. And with that asset management fee, you're going to get the uh, my team, which is the investor sales team, an asset management team, a servicing team that's there to follow you over the life of your investment. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I just want to point out to the investors out there that, you know, if you're looking at a 20% IRR, investment and you put into realty shares the it's one percent but it's one percent out of the twenty percent so i don't know what that what is that that's like a five percent cut of the entire profit no so actually so actually the way it works is we take it from the investment amount so if you invest ten thousand dollars then you're going to have a hundred dollar fee every year charged to you and we take it out of cash flow and how we present cash flows is as um, after net of all of the fees that we take. So, and of course these are all projections, right? So I wouldn't want to state anywhere that these are guarantees, but based on our underwriting and assumptions, this is what we think this project will pay out. And then we, to, to, excuse me, we deduct our asset management fees from cash flow. So if you're not receiving any cash flows, we're not receiving our asset management fees. Okay, so, so let me get this straight. It's a little confusing. So as the investor, if you're putting in $100,000, you guys are going to take the 1% seeming like funding fee. So what is that, $1,000 or so right off the bat? Annually. 
No, we, we take it over the we take it over the course of the year from cash flows, not right off the bat. Okay, okay. So that essentially that funding fee is the only fee that's going to be assessed every year. There's nothing. So if the investment goes up by a hundred percent, you guys don't really get any of that. You just get your one percent in the beginning. That's right. We have no profit participation at this time. Okay. So, but but still, if you're the investor and you're getting a twenty percent IRR, you're making twenty. You're making twenty grand, but you still had to pay out that one percent fee to Realty Shares. It's a small trade-off, I think. It's a you know for for some people, it's not the right option, but for a lot of people, it is. I think that's fair yeah. for you guys. I think I like to think about it that first of all, a lot of our competitors out there, which even our larger, if you had a private real estate syndicate, are charging up. They are taking a piece of the profit participation. But even without that, we have a team of 105 people inside of Realty Shares who are here to do diligence, the deal, service the deal, provide asset management. So I think it's a really cheap price to pay for all the service you're getting from our side. Yeah. So. Um... I used to think that if you're a pretty good syndicator, you've got a pretty good list and you got people you know, begging you to take their money to invest the, the next deal. And I always kind of thought that these type of crowdfunding platforms were for the uh, second tier guys who couldn't really find a, a date in terms of <laughs> investor. <laughs> but it, things are starting to change, right? I mean, like what maybe go through some of the due diligence process that Realty Shares goes through. And, you know, it's not perfect. I mean, it's not going to catch everything, but it's a, it's a process, right? It's a, it's a great question. And something I try to let investors know off the bat, what, what is, what is the diligencing we're doing on your behalf? We have the access to some really good systems and processes that, and we work through compliance. So there's a lot of things we're doing that likely investors aren't doing on their own. So how we start our due diligence process is first by taking a look at the sponsor's credit check and background check. And then we have third party verification of their track record, which is their deals that they've already completed and the outcome. So we're going to check purchase price and sales price and see that those align. After we do that first pass, which most sponsors should not make it through that first uh, elimination round, I'll call it. Then we start taking a look at the actual deal itself. What does the economy look like? Where does do the assumptions that the sponsor provided make sense? And then finally, we're going to take a look at the pricing on the deal. Is the risk in line with the price that or with the IRR that investors are going to receive? And if it's not, we're going to negotiate on behalf of investors. So all of that process happens before the deal is ever lands onto our catalog. So there's quite a bit of work that goes on to it. Less than 5% of the deals that come to us are actually make it, are making it onto the platform. And I understand what you're saying about sometimes second tier deals making on, but I'll say we're able to provide pretty efficient capital to the sponsors. And we work with sponsors over and over again, and we can write million dollar checks. So they like working with us. And if they do a good job, then we like working with them. And we're seeing really quality deals make it to us and and we're very pleased with the improvement of deals over time and and um, the kind of sponsors we're seeing in, inquire for capital. Crowdfunding thing is definitely the future. I mean, I like the the overall idea of it, like how you're taking back Wall Street because uh, you know this at one time this was just it's just the country club in these deals and now seemingly the masses can get involved in this these type of projects and I I, I think it's a good thing. It's a it's a new latent market of investors. It's not. It is a kind yes. of a disruptor too. 
Yeah. So actually I was in financial advising prior and I, I think exactly what you're saying right now. I saw how traditional banking was changing and fees were getting too comprehensive and people weren't understanding why they were being charged fees left and right. And there was no transparency. And I, I believe what you're saying is correct that the future will be having this ability to see deals all over the place. And you can see it with wealth management platforms as well. I think those are integrated thoughts that people want access and they want it efficient capital from both sides. They wanted to put their capital to work in an easy way. We talk a lot about syndications on this podcast, and most of the time, these offers are only for those with an accredited status per the rules of the SEC. Now sponsoring the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast is the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, empowering investors to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages. The AHP fund aims to keep people in their homes by investing in notes. It's an opportunity to earn returns while feeling good about making positive social impact. You can start investing with as little $100. You can learn more at investinhp.com. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. So I'm assuming you guys are doing the Trello um, background check, maybe putting the, uh, the pro- I mean, flip, flipping deals are pretty simple to analyze, but like, you know, multifamily apartments, I mean, you're taking into account rent rolls and P&Ls for the last three years. And I, I'm sure you guys have some sort of internal underwriting tool. But uh, anything else on, and specifically that the uh, investor needs to do on their own? Or are you guys creating sort of a atmosphere of just trust us as the, uh, the big black box? It, actually, I think it's more of the opposite. What we're trying to do is present all the information and all the underwriting that we've completed as comprehensively as possible to investors. So understanding their investment objectives, what geographies are they comfortable with, what makes sense to them, and presenting them all the information they need to make an informed decision about their real estate investments. Sort of a selfish question here. I've been going back and forth between a C offering or a B offering. Mm -hmm. And uh, my understanding is you guys work with C offerings, right? Because it's only to accredited Yes, we work actually mostly with 506B offerings, which are private offerings. So we don't solicit for our deals broadly. And we have done one 506C deal. The nature of how you advertise them is slightly different. So we mostly stick to 506B. Oh, okay. Okay. And for those of you guys who don't know, the 506C offerings, you know, look, if I had an offering, I could blast it on my podcast, put it on the website, do Facebook ads. But I guess you're, what you're saying is you don't, or a regulation B offering, I can't do all that marketing out in the free world, but I can go to accredited and non-accredited investors. Did I get that right? Part of it was right. So 506C deals, that's right. You can broadly market the deals where you could talk about it on your podcast. And the verification is a little bit different from an accredited investor standpoint, where we would, we would need to verify that you are an accredited investor, either via tax returns or a, a tax professional, financial advisor, or something that's stipulated, a third party that verified it. With a 506B offering, you can't, we wouldn't be able to talk about the deals that are currently live on the platform with you right now, for example. But if you are a member of the platform, then, they, then you can see all of the deals we have live. So it's a little bit more private of an offering and, that, and then we self-verify the accreditation. So there's a slight difference. 
And um, and we've done mostly 506Bs right now. And they're oh, only to accredited okay. investors. Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, I uh, I get it butchered all the time and I just do what my lawyer tells me. I don't try and to get into the weeds. That's their, their job. I do <laughs> the same thing. That's interesting because... So originally I thought that by putting it up on the internet on your site that it's out in the free world and that's that's a quote unquote free marketing or the you know going big with the marketing and that would preclude you from doing a B offering but um I guess what you're saying is Realty Shares is kind of like a closed network you have to be a member part of the database to get access to the deals that's right. And when something for syndicators that's really interests me and like the, I guess the big concepts that I look at is as a syndicator, I can put my deal up up on your website and I can collect this list for 123 Main Street and I can keep that list in my keeping and possibly in the next six months to a year, I can pull that list for a B offering where I can go after sophisticated investors too, which are the non-credited. I, we don't provide that, but I believe that that's the case. And from what you're talking about, I believe that is the case. Realty shares owns the database so like if a hundred investors come on there and only 20 invest me as a syndicator only gets the names and contacts and phone numbers of the 20 people or or am i allowed to see all 100 no so it wouldn't be any of the contact information for the investors the investors are our clients and the reason why syndicators like working with us is part of it is because that efficient capital i talked about with its sponsors we work with all the time we can re underwrite a deal relatively quickly since they've gone through that first review. Um, and secondly, it's because instead of dealing with, you talked about earlier, dealing with a hundred investors can be very taxing and take a lot of time away from what you're actually focused on, which is completing your business plan on, on the investment. So we're the investor relations arm for you. Me and my team specifically deals with all the investor questions. We, it's only one update you need to provide. It's one payment and we take care of the rest. So in that exchange, we also own the client information. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's one small drawback. So as a, as a syndicator, I mean, most of the deals are $50,000 to get into, you know, there, there is some value to doing it a little lower, $25,000 to get more people in the deal to expand your list or your database. But if I were go, to go to a realty shares, I would not be able to get any of the names or contact. I mean, part of the capital I see it is the database and the investor list. So I would not have access to that then. Yeah, I I can see where that would be part of the value for certain syndicators. But I think what we found is our clients really value that we handle that for them. And it's a small price to pay to to get the capital from us. And we do so much of the legwork on the other side that it's it becomes it's way worthwhile on that for them to work with us rather than doing it themselves. Okay. So as a syndicator, is there a maximum that I can raise on the platform a year or we have we have concentration limits and that's really for the safety of investors more than anything else or to be conservative on behalf of investors if we have too much money with one sponsor it becomes a risk of the firm so we have a chief risk officer in-house who's evaluating how much we have allocated it's not a hard and fast level it's really a we are looking at the overall pie of how we've allocated capital. So I wouldn't be able to give a hard and fast number, but it just couldn't be too concentrated into one, one sponsor. So as a, is that per deal or is that like per a certain amount of time frame? I'd say right now we're raising on average between 
two to three million dollars for the kinds of deals that you do for averaging between two and three million dollars. Yeah, because I, I think I've heard at one time that um, the platforms are a little bit better for the development deals that are smaller. But when uh, you know you get into the realm of re- needing to raise five, ten million dollars, how does that work? Yeah, so that's actually the kind of deal that sponsors love us for because oftentimes they're trying to raise a deal that's a little bit larger where maybe they only needed $2 million before, but now they need five to 10, but they put their own. We always require sponsors contribute to some a certain extent and they have friends and family that usually want to go co-invest with them. And then we're there too, to amplify what they've already raised. So it's actually, a, that's a perfect scenario for working with us, I'd say. Um, where you're you're moving up a little bit in that equity slug from where you were before from those two to three million dollar deals. A little vocabulary test for you and you may or may not get oh, this. Oh boy. <laughs> so there's four types of business models in this crowdfunding realm. There's the broker dealer, the investment advisor, the ad listing service and the direct in- insurers. What would you say that you guys fall under? Broker dealer. So maybe elaborate on a little what that is and Maybe the folks at home can Google the rest. Yeah, that would be great because one of them I've never heard of before. So I hope they do Google the rest. I will do the same. <laughs> so we operate with a broker dealer. Our broker dealer is North Capital Private Securities. I'm a registered representative of the broker dealer. And what that really means is that we securitize our investments. So in the, and part of that is so we're able to offer them in a as a um, succinct format for investors. And we can also, my team is there to outbound, call investors, work with them, get them comfortable with the platform. If you don't work through a broker dealer, that's very strictly prohibited. So that's a distinction there. Right. So that makes sense because you guys are sort of, you know, doing, helping out with due diligence and do all the, uh, the middleman work with administration and stuff like that. Exactly. And actually outbound sales is is completely prohibited if you don't work with a broker dealer to the best of my understanding. So even realty shares a year and a half ago was, was not operating within a broker dealer for all of the deals. And then my team came along to help. And it, it really has been a, a benefit to investors because they have me and my team here to talk through deals, answer questions. Sometimes people are new to real estate or new to crowdfunding. And what does that mean for them? So we're able to be a resource for them in ways that I don't see very often out there amongst our competitors. The reason I bring up those four uh, vocabulary terms is that, you know, this is the future of real estate development and real estate investing and any kind of investing in the future and to learn these concepts. And, you know, I may not know the difference between B or C or get them all screwed up all the time, but I think for investors to understand where this uh, big ship is going, what is your opinion being, you know, sort of an insider where the crowdfunding space is going? Do you, you think like in the next 10 years that this is how everybody's going to be investing? I really do. That's why I left traditional wealth management. I think that the future is in online marketplaces where people have broad access and lower minimums, great entry points, easy access to diversification. It's absolutely where I see the future of the business going. It's going to be a lower fee business where you don't have to pay because it's confusing or country club or because it's all hidden. I I think it's really interesting where this is going. I think the legal climate is moving in this way. The compliance climate is moving this way. And this is what investors want, most importantly. So I I really believe that. And I've already seen it over the last several years moving in this direction. So we continue to see growth and I'm I'm really excited about the future. Yeah. So uh, anything we missed uh, that, you know, most people have questions on this stuff? 
I think what sometimes what people ask is, why are you different? And yes, you're online, but truly we're a financial technology company. So a lot of the reasons that we're able to do what we do is because we bring automation and, and things that traditional real estate firms aren't able to do. So I think that's where a lot of the excitement for me is around as well. And for people to keep in mind when they're doing their own deals or looking for access to others, like what's different and how is this the future? All right. Yeah. I think there's a list online, some of the, like the top hundred crowdfunding websites and it just it seems to be like that land grab period right now where there's the big boys like you guys and there's a a lot of other people jockeying for who's going to be the ebay or who's going to be the amazon of this in the future so it's uh, pretty exciting to watch how this all shakes out i agree completely all right um yeah amy you want to give out your contact information for anybody to get a hold of you Absolutely. To find Realty Shares, it's www.realtyshares.com. If you have investment questions, you can email invest at realtyshares.com and we will we have a very capable team to get back to you. Thanks, Amy, for jumping online. Thank you so much for having me. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.